Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. You guys are awesome. Good morning. <laughs> Don't do it. God bless you. Please be seated. Now, I, I'm excited about everything he just showed us. And uh, that's excited about you. I'm back in the back holding them up from coming out, just talking about you guys, because I see it. And I can say this honestly, I don't, I don't care who's listening, but the opportunity to come here and just experience what you guys are demonstrating is still something awesome. Sometimes when you're in, in it, you're not, you don't have an outward view of it. You, you, um, you, when you're a part of something yourself, that God is doing and that other people should see, um, it's not that you see what other people see. So I can, you know, look at you and because I'm traveling uh, a lot around America and the world, I see you as an important part of America's history for the future. And I, oh yeah, I mean, I, I see it. And, I talk about you to others. I don't really care what they think, you know, and if I seem to talk extreme about it, doesn't matter whether they like it or not. It's what I saw and what I see. You're strong in terms of vision here, and I would ask you to turn to um, Proverbs 28 and uh, 29, 18, I believe it is. And I, um, you, you, you see it, you heard it, you you, uh, it's written, like what he said. He said it's written. And I, I wouldn't want that you would uh, be a part of something that's amazing. When Jesus told the disciples to go into all the world and make disciples of nations, he was giving them a global assignment. And I'm sure that with just 12 men, they perhaps didn't think that a couple thousand years later, the effect of their lives would be crescendoing uh, in our day at, at the level that it is. Of course, we see retrograde, I'm using a big word there. there. There is some going backwards in some circles. I don't see it here. I see a pushing forward. And what he described 19 years ago in terms of the vision of calling God on his life, I, I mean, something that you probably wouldn't notice, but, I mean, it's a great family. Pops, dad come, comes over here and perseveres through the language barriers and achieves in the natural. I mean, God is the author of, of, um, of an economic infrastructure for a nation. But the dad, as a medical doctor, pressed through and, and uh, was able to get his... Uh, all, do all the requirements for becoming a doctor in America and then raise up great children and insists that they get educated and then you found the Lord. So there, there's not a contradiction in this family, I'm just talking, between um, education and revelation. E education, you need that to apply revelation in the culture. But revelation is the gem that buys a generation. The greatest 
the greatest bit of knowledge you can have is the knowledge of God. From that knowledge, you can apply education in a way that has integrity as a foundation base. And that's what you got here. And there's some that don't realize the value of it. I mean, you look out at the culture, and you may not know what you're looking at when I mentioned the retrograde, the, 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 I mean, the challenge that we have in terms of the, the, um, the governmental infrastructure, in terms of what's happening. And there are so many people by the millions are confused by the voices. And really, these people are not voices on these, in the political arena. They're echoes. Because the greatest voice you can hear is somebody who has a word from God. And what you're looking out there and you look at what's going on out in the culture and you hardly hear any of the people who are on the major news outlets say anything from God. And occasionally there'll be a religious person and some of the religious people say the same thing that people who are non-religious are saying. I'll give you an example. And this is just my foretalk before I jump into some stuff with you. But you look at it and you see... Um, you know, we say, well, we have to get this particular president because it's really important who our Supreme Court uh, justices are going to be for the future. It's going to determine um, the uh, legal uh, foundation basis for how our government is going to be run in our nation. And, and then we say things like this is a greatest nation in the world. And, and then they say, why? And then they base it on a free market system. You're saying we're great because of money? Yes, but that's how much of these echoes are defining us, the opportunity that's here. Not the revelation, the foundational basis of the Puritan ethic. Not what you just heard about the influence of Newton on Wilberforce and Wilberforce's influence in the Parliament of England and, and uh, Blackstone and his commentaries and the influence of Calvin on them and, and uh, pe pe people without even being into Calvinism, but just understanding that what was said about Calvin, it said that what he was preaching in the pulpit was what was discussed in the parliament. That's the influence of somebody godly and, and, and the, the common law England basing, basing how they established law on a word from God. And then the uh, people like Finney getting converted by reading Blackstone's commentaries. But the basis of it was the Bible. Now, how could we not know that? How could we? I'm talking about the larger scope of American leaders. How could you get away from that? When you think about the Ivy League schools uh, and the foundation of every one of them, except one started as training schools for ministers. And for the first 80 years, all of them, that's basically what they did. They didn't go out into this broader scope of knowledge that you see today. And it's almost like denial of their roots. How is that denial? How could you deny your roots? And then when you go into the front of some of these Bibles and you read some of these guys who are the PhDs who translated right here, this particular Bible is a King James Version, and all these guys are pretty much either DDs or LDDs, and you say, how could you interpret the Bible from the Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic and not believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost? or miracles, signs, and wonders. I mean, you can have an ability for academic uh, rigor even in religious areas and still not be close to God. The greatest thing that you have going on here 
is your push into an intimacy with God. Out of that becomes your reality. It can't be just your religion. It has to be your reality. And from your reality of being close to God, your entire dilemma in terms of any scope of problem that you are facing is out of a distance between you and God. I'm way ahead of you right now just in what I'm saying. I'm just saying. But as you get close to God, it says when you see him, you should be like him. It says you'll know even as you are known. The people who are close to God develop a trust relationship with God. Out of that, do you tell private things to people you don't trust? I mean, do you tell them what the combination to your safe, if you have one? Do you give them your bank account? People you don't know, just give it to them. Just give them your bank account. Do you let them? No, why? Because you don't trust them. Well, then, if you're not close to God, do you think he trusts you? So this idea of changing the world comes from the scope of changed people change people. The degree to which you let God change you is the degree to which you can be effective to change others. So that you won't be demonstrated on counterfeit Christianity. Who wants that? There's enough counterfeits around here. I'm talking about in America. And our great challenge right now by the other nations of the world is that we're getting less and less believable. I'm still way ahead of you. (laughs) What? We don't believe the news. We even have coined a term called fake news. What's fake news? A lie. So now we, we soften the terminology. But Jesus says to the Pharisees, scribes, Sadducees, and elders, says, you're of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father will you do. See? In other words, where are you coming from? That's, what, that's a brother's thing. Like when in ghetto, we used to say, hey, what's up? You know, it's a, you know, you got it. Basically, they're saying, where are you coming from? They're not, they're asking a presuppositional question, but they wouldn't frame it like that. They, they, they mean, what's the basis for our interaction here? What's, what's going on in, with you in your life? Where are you coming from? See? So the scope of what I'm going to talk with you about is the power of vision. Where are you coming from? He just defined it. If you don't know the vision, you won't be able to answer the questions I'm going to ask you today. Because I, I want you to be able to answer these questions that I'm going to ask you and then, and then see where you fit into the scope of this thing because you're here. See, And I'm saying that in my view, I don't, I don't know if I've been to three churches that's as powerful foundationally as this church as I have globally traveled. I'm just, I'm just saying. I, I don't know if I've seen it. And just in case, go on the internet and see, I'm not just talking about brotherfied churches. Don't think that because I got dark pigmentation that I only talk to people like that. I'm talking about globally. So some of those people that may be hearing me in some of those cities, they're going to have to step up or they should come here and see what's here. Absolutely. 
That's what I, that's what I see it. So in Proverbs 29, the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law happy, happy is he. My father, thank you so much for those looking on and those listening on and those that's going to go on from here and do your will. I thank you that you sent the Holy Ghost to guide us into the realities of the powers of the world to come, that we are being changed to be permanently like you, and that we would walk out of this world into the next world saying, exactly, so that the life we're living here can be lived anywhere in time and eternity. And where we are false in our understanding, where we're fake in our actions and our thinking, we're asking you now, show us your face lest we die. If you don't reveal to us the truth, we can't be free. You said we shall know the truth, be union with you the truth, and the truth will make us free. The power of the revelation, Lord, is the transformation that we need here right now. Yes, we have been brought to a level of glory, but you said we couldn't go from glory to glory. Take us to the next level of glory so that we can satisfy the, the will of our Father, so that history might be consummated on the basis of the dedication of those under the sound of my voice. Let me be good ground, Lord, to add to what you're already doing here. Looking at the little children dance before you, and the teenagers glorify you. They only know you to the degree that they've been taught, that they've seen examples, that they're being trained, but they're on their way to satisfying you fully. Thank you for them, Lord. Bless the works of your hands here, and we thank you for the word and the people's hearts being good ground for truth. Thank you now. In Jesus' name we pray, and all the people said, amen. amen. God bless you. Where? Where there is no vision. So, therefore, know the vision. Look, know God. Why are you here if you don't know why you're here? I mean, in other words, God got you saved and then brought you here so that you can find out about the destiny of where this is going. So you want to read over that, see, and see what did you speak to this man? He just got up and said, look at the progression of what has happened since 19 years ago. He expressed that God had spoken to him. Now, first of all, that's what you want to know. Is this work a product of a God said did God speak this work into existence? Well, if you go back in, into creation itself, that's how we, earth became, is that God spoke it into existence, and God said, let there be light. So God spoke it into existence. But he was speaking into existence animate things. Light, trees, sun, moon, all these things. But then he said, let us make man. So man is a product of a word from God in the original creation. So you know that. So I'm the product of a will of God. Now, there are scores of people listening to me probably on the Internet. And some of you may hear, may, hear, may not say, I exist because God 
determined I would exist. So then conclusively then you can say, I am the handiwork of God. There's some powerful stuff. And therefore, what I'm about represents something more than humanity. I represent deity. Therefore, I represent eternity. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Guess what you're made out of? Earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Here it is. Where there's no vision, the people perish. But the degree to which you don't know the power in you from God is the degree that you walk underneath the standard of God. If you don't wake up every morning and say, okay, Father, oh, what, should I continue what you had me do yesterday? Or should, should you speak to me something fresh for today? But every day, watch, we are to live on the basis of the will of God. Because, watch what he says, where is no, no vision, the people perish. So now let me ask you this. Are you perishing or are you flourishing? Notice, it says where there's no vision, people perish. That word means to cease to exist. Either you are in your thoughts, words, and deeds, moving towards life, emanating things. You are a life-creating type person. You create environments. You change destinies. You are somebody who God determined would be alive, and you are not alive for anything called average. There's something special about you. For the, for the devil's job is to lie to you because he's the father of lies. So that's what happened in the garden. I won't, I've, I've taught you that before, maybe not in this context, but I, I've said that, and that's what he did. He came to the garden, challenged the word of the Lord, from in the original woman and man. And man didn't just fall into sin, he fell into a misunderstanding of his reason for being alive. So God then has to repeat himself again. He has to come to Abram. And now he has to recapitulate what was obvious in the original. Now he has to tell you, Adam, through you, Abram, through you, all the families of the earth should be blessed. Well, that's a recapitulation. I'm big word in it again. That's a big word again. Wow. I'm talking to Spanish-speaking speaking people, but you guys are smart. These bunch of, you know, a bunch of uh, doctors and attorneys and all that businessmen, fat boys in here and girls. You guys are smart people. But that's what he said to Adam. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. He says to Abram, so then through Adam, all the, the nations, all the people of the earth was going to be his pride. And of course, they're going to be blessed. God blessed him originally. So then he comes back to Genesis 12 and he says to Abram, I'll bless them that bless you. And through you shall all the people in the earth. Think about this, man. All the people in the earth are going to be blessed. Now you think what kind of capacity he had to have within him to believe that. I mean, I, I would say he may not even have understood the scope of what God was saying geographically. He didn't know how large the earth was. As a matter of fact, when the Lord appeared to him, he says, now I'm going to go into, a, uh, he says, now leave your parents and go into a place I will show you. I mean, where? Where is that? He didn't give him direction. He called him to 
total dedication and trust. That was his first assignment. Genesis 12. You can go there. I can't go there with you now. Really will make me long. But get it. So then through, through that man's obedience, leave what's comfortable to you. Leave your inheritance and go into a place that I will show you. So God is calling him to obedience and dependence. You do what I say. I don't need to give you directions yet. I just need you to do what I said. Go into a nation. I will show you. And then notice the explanation of the man of the Lord. He says, who would have thought when the vision was first given that it would come to where it is now, that you would have the global effect that you would have? Most guys that talk about global effect, they're talking about the masses that have, been, uh, that have come to their location. And they, they call their effectiveness by the masses. Well, you might have 10,000 people in there, but you can't get 10 of them to really do anything you say. And, and, and so in a lot of those environments, I said it back in the back, I'll say it again, but a lot of in, in those environments, those pastors accommodate the people more than they accommodate God. So I just want you to notice from this point on, watch how we try to frame, I'm talking about these, these leaders in these churches, you've been to them, they frame the message to accommodate the ability of the people to understand it. Now let me just help you with that. In John 6, Jesus says, the flesh profits nothing. The, it's the spirit that quickeneth. See? You will find in the Bible no such thing as political correctness. God will never try to say anything to you through himself, Jesus. His message offended everybody. He's called the rock of offense. The apostles were the same way. All of them died martyrs. I mean, you might not be like that excited about it, but... He's telling you to die to the flesh, not to die in the flesh. So they died martyrs, but this why? It's because of their messaging. No accommodating, no political correctness. This is the truth. This is how I'm saying it. I'm not saying it so you can understand it, because without the Spirit, you can't understand it. Mental acquiescence is not the same as revelation. Let me give you an example. By him being an attorney, by his dad being a doctor, he didn't, he practiced medicine, which means what he learned in medicine, he could apply to patients. As an attorney, what he learned in law, he applied as an attorney. There are numbers of medical doctors and lawyers who are professors in universities because they couldn't apply what they learned. They had the knowledge, but there was something inside of them that couldn't make it work. It just was a disconnect there. It's not supposed to be that way with you and God. The message God gives you is to be you. He says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake, meaning what I say and what I do are Exactly parallel. Somebody has to say, he's talking about me. You are not a living lie. You are not fake news. What makes your news that you bring from Christ good news is because you hear it and see it coming from your life.
You want to know what Christ is like? Come over to this church. That's what you're supposed to say. Why? Because the people in this church are living something here. If you want to say on a personal level, if you want to know what God is like, come to my house. You want to know how to treat a wife? Look at how I treat my wife. Why? Because I get it from the Bible. Heaven is going to be like that if there were wives and husbands, which they will not. The only person, the only marriage they're going to be is Jesus marrying the church. So don't worry about it. Head of you again, but no sweat. No sweat. So, but look, but you're an example for God in the house. It should be that if your kids don't want to get married, it's because there's either they're deceived or there's something they're not seeing in that marriage that represent God. Don't worry about it. Okay, let me go. I got to go off this point. The, the vision. Somebody say, the vision is me. Go ahead and say it. In other words, because he says, where there's no vision, the people perish, and you're not perishing. So watch. So I said, know the vision. Secondly, See where we're at in it. So he just defined where are we at? Where are we at in this vision and the process of it? So as you read over the vision, you look at the scope of what has happened. Watch. Because what you, where you're at now is what has come to pass up to this point. And you notice no pastor, no apostle, no five-fold ministry can do it by themselves. Because the church is a collective of the members in particular. And you're one of the members. And every joint supplies. So there's something about you that makes this body great because of what you supply. Something. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Look, you may not think of it this way, but it won't work without you when you're fully given into it. There's something powerful about it. Now, look, you don't have to get any glory for it because you're going to get rewards anyway for it. So, look, so whatever reward you can get in this world is not going to be enough anyway because at best it could be earthly, whether it's a compliment, a thank you, or appreciate you, whether it's, it doesn't matter whether it's like these awards shows that they have you, right? These, these um, you know, you see the music awards, the Oscars, and all these kind of acting awards and all these things they give away. No matter how good you are in it, it's not better than what you're going to get in the next world. Here's what I heard one person say. How can I bless you too much on earth when God is going to bless you so much more in heaven? Now, I'm almost 70 now, and I, I'm just thinking, I don't care about compliments. I, I have to watch um, whether people recognize me or not. I was just in a, um, a, 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 you would call it major. It was a, it was a meeting of leaders, and I was one of the speakers, and and that, and uh, but <laughs> I, I wasn't, I wasn't marketed as the, as the, um, as one of the main platform guys. But when I was asked, I was asked to be like platform, but my picture wasn't shown anywhere in it. And then in the scope of it. I was near the end of the, of the thing. So for me, instead of me looking at it, you needed my picture. I needed to be advertising all this. Well, by being in the end, I could then see what was being said and do a consummation and fill whatever vacuum was left. I wasn't there for the people to see me. I was there for God to see me. I was representing God. 
Yeah. And, and the people that left early, you weren't ordained to hear me. But the people that stayed, they were the ones that were good ground. And so, of course, clearly I screamed at them for those few minutes that I had screamed. I screamed. I know I'm a screamer. Some would call it preaching. I just, I screamed. Clearly screamed. So where are you now? Where are you at in this? Where are you at not only in terms of the progress of the vision, but where are you at in it? Do you still believe you're coming to church because you're a part of something that's making a difference for the whole world? The Lord did not use the masses for worldwide transformation. He didn't even call the masses. He called disciples. So where are you at? Are you a disciple here, see? So uh, if, I, if I were to ask you to turn, I'm going to give you more scriptures. I was just talking to the pastor about scriptures. Back in the back, turn to John uh, chapter 2. Look, John chapter 2. Please. I'm there, chapter 1. Look what it says here, John 1.35. It says, the following day, John, meaning John the Baptist, was again standing with two of his disciples. Now, John, standing with two of his disciples, as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, look at this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. He said, what do you want? He asked them. Now, I got I to go there with you just for a second. So, number one, here you have John's disciples. Earlier, you can read the previous verses and see what John was saying about Jesus was going to come, somebody whose shoes he weren't worthy to untie. Now, this actually happened. So, here John had these two disciples. And then John points to this. This is the one I was talking about. Their disciples immediately left John. Now, I don't know a single pastor that would get with that. Because I know clearly numbers of pastors that if they got a leader and leaders with them, they expect those leaders to stay with them all the way through till the vision is finished. But John was living his life to finish it so he can turn it over to someone else. Now, I can tell you that clearly lots of leaders, they're into getting people to become members, not necessarily disciples. There's a difference. Because you can be a member, like what? Let me tell you how I look at members. Like I look at basketball games and the stands. The people in the stands said, hey, how did you miss that layup? Oh, man, he missed the layup. They'll look at the referee and say, why is a bad call? That was a bad call. Then they'll look at the, the team they're playing and say, look, why are you letting this team beat you? Guess what? They're making all that noise from the stands. They're not in the game. What they're saying isn't making a difference. Now, as far as you as a church member, you're not supposed to be making noise from the stands. You're supposed to be in the game of life. You're supposed to be one of these world changers. You left mediocrity. You left what the other people could take you to. But you, they only prepared you for this level of dedication. Where are you seeing it? They left. Watch. And Jesus... Asked them, what do you want? Now, 
This is an interesting question because he may be asking you the same question. What do you want? So now you got to ask. I'm talking about out of life. What do you want him to do for you? What do you want in your marriage? I mean, what do you want? You left John. What do you want with me? I guarantee you he's asking you the same question right now. If you're a disciple, what do you want? But have you ever been discipled? I talked with someone that was in love with a particular person. And I asked them this question. Has that person you're in love with ever been discipled by anyone? Is that person under authority right now? Is he being discipled? What's he being developed into? And then I asked that person, I said, do they have a disciple? So look, so then I knew the answer to both of those. Number one, they never been discipled. And number two, how can you disciple? Because you don't know what it is. Because whatever you would, let's say if you've never been discipled and you're teaching discipleship, you're only teaching on the basis of a precept because you never practice what you're teaching. Even if you're teaching right, you still only have a form of it. You have the word of it, but you don't have the life of it. So I've got to say this to you. Jesus told his disciples, make disciples. He didn't say make members. So watch. But not a single person did he make come to him. They had to see him. So what do you see? What's the level of your dedication here in terms of the vision? Watch. I wrote this down. This is morning. I said, look, so let me finish with this. And Jesus looked at them, verse 38 again, and saw them following. He asked, they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And now, now this is an interesting question now, you see, not where you're going, but where you're staying. I find that people, if they don't know where they're at, they're at, they're clearly not staying there. That's okay. We're ahead of you again. Let me continue. <laughs> Here was the answer. Come and see. In other words, there's certain things you'll never be able to see from afar off. You only can see it if you engage. You only can see it if you get into it. Because why? There's no reason for God to show you anything on a proprietary level if he knows you're not, you're not willing to get in the game. But even greater than that, every one of us, using the NBA analogy again, Every one of those NBA players had to qualify to get there. So let me give you something really important to understand. You can be called into the ministry. Let's say I'm called apostolically. I, I've been called. I mean, like, I had a visitation from God, and that's how I got transformed. I mean, Shekinah showed up to me, and I left real estate. Just like these guys wanted to make money. I mean, probably most of you in here, they, they saw their assignment as just money. All the, you know, they could make a lot of money. But, they, but there has to be some sacrifice in where they are now, because watch, you and I are on call to live on a survival level. Now, here's how the American dream goes. You got to go to school. You have to do well in school so that you can go to a good college. You want to do well, choose a good profession. Watch, so that you can do well. So guess what? That's an upkeep kind of thinking. How do I survive? That's where there's been a disconnect between the early framers and us now 2,000 years later. Because now, watch, this is what you hear out of the average Christian now, if they're a Christian. God gave me my job. Oh, I'm so glad God gave me my job. Then watch, God gave me my wife. 
Oh, wonderful. God gave me my children. I was blessed. God gave me my house. Oh, he just got a new car. God gave me my car. Now, the pastor says, we're world changers. And we, God's called us to go to the mission field, and we got to affect this nation of, let's say, anywhere, Bangladesh. And we, got, we need to go over there, and we need 10 families to volunteer to go over there to plant a church. Now, guess what? You, who God gave your wife, and gave your children, and gave your job, and gave, guess what? You say, I can't go there. Why can't you go? Because my job, what? My children, what? My house, no, what? My car, no. How am I going to pay for that? So we got a problem here. The thing that you said God blessed you with is the thing that's keeping you from world missions. So on the one hand, you can't say God has called you because let's just use your life and your thinking as a standard. So that means that everybody in America that God gave a job, a house, a family, education, how I'm going to educate my children, all this, guess what? All of them can't go to the mission field based on your standard. So guess what else? You would have never been a disciple. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> this is what I have to realize about myself. What God gave you can't be a hindrance to your being available 24-7. I came out here with my wife on this trip, not to speak here for your anniversary, but God had it in his mind. But I'm telling my wife, we're talking, we just sold our house there in Georgia, and we are downsizing, you understand, whatever. But this is what we're saying. I can't sit back and look at NBA basketball games and she look at Hallmark movies in our older years in the evening time, and that's how we die out. Amen. That's right. Uh-uh. We're going to die. Watch. I, I wanted to get there. I can't right now in this service, but it says in Jude, and some having compassion, making a difference, and others pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Watch. I'm not just called to pull somebody out of the fire. I'm called to be the fire. Amen. Let me say that again. He says, I'm going to send you, that I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. I am arsonist. <laughs> I am starting to fire you in. Amen. Did you hear what I'm saying? Amen. In other words, for a Christian to be backslidden, means that some way you violated even an Old Testament standard that became a New Testament reality. He told the priest, he said, you light this seven-branch candlestick, and you continually put the oil, but the fire must never go out lest you die. In the New Testament, John said, there's some coming whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. He's going to baptize you. Look, I baptize you with water, but you're going to go down in the water, but you're coming up out of there. But this baptism, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, and he will thoroughly purge his floor. That fire is a fire from within. It's the oil of the Holy Ghost 
that is burning, and yet you feed yourself the Word of God, the fire doesn't get weaker. It gets stronger. So I'm talking to my wife. I said, we're not bowing. We're not getting less than how we started. We're getting stronger than how we started. We're going to die on fire. And that's why I came out here to talk with her, just to say, look at this. We're not upkeeping children, grandchildren, none of them. But they got parents. We have parents. They got parents. We're not our grandchildren's upkeepers. We know. Lay hands on them. You know, lay hands on the, the I've already laid hands on the children. Lay hands on the grandchildren. If your daddy won't be, or your mama won't be like they're supposed to be, look at your grandparents. But we're not going to nursemaid you. We set a bar, a standard. I am, I am a, I am in my family line, I set the standard. My grandfather was saved, but not like me. I, I am the standard for my generation and my family line. She led her sisters to Jesus and got them baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then I got lots of sons that are going for it. And I'm going to gather some of them more now because they got to know. I'm going to sick him on some people before God takes them all over the place because some of them need to see some of the stuff that's going on with him and the standards that he has and the stuff that he celebrates. He's constantly looking for more of God so that his fire can burn brighter. Because why? We have a standard, but we're not the standard. Somewhere, somebody's way more dedicated than we are. I want to know who they are. I don't want them to be dedicated and I not be the standard. And there's somebody who has the standard. And I don't even know they exist. Uh-uh. Nope. Going after God. There's nothing better in your life you can go, at, go after than the reality of God in your life. Amen. Nothing better. Okay. Where are you staying? And here's an answer. Come and see. That's what I'm talking about. You're to stay dedicated. You're to stay prayerful. You're to stay surrendered. My wife does not have to cook for me. Let me just say this. She had a stroke some years ago. And so she doesn't see things on the left side and down there. And so one time she was cooking and her arm was on fire. Her robe was on fire. I said, ah, look at here. I said, didn't you see this? This is on fire, woman. She said, no, I didn't see it. I said, that's it for you. No cooking. No more cooking. So we eat out. You know what I'm saying? it cost you not who cares about that we're fast we have to but we're not you're not cooking but look what's exciting to me she don't have to cook clean do nothing but what am I surprised about this morning when I got up I said you know what I do I get up a great while before day and I go out I don't even I don't pray in the room with her I, I, I go out in my car I go somewhere I do why because you I want you to be alone with God she says wake me up and this is where she is I get up at home and I leave and go be with God okay but look, when I get up, guess what? She doesn't know it. I'm telling on you. I'm telling on myself now. But before I walk out, the light has been turned on on her side of the bed because she is going straight to Scripture as soon as I leave. No matter how early it is. Now, you tell me I don't think about that as way more blessed than cooking me something. She is, she is cooking the things of God. Glory to God. Stay in the Word. So this morning, the same thing. I looked up 
at the room because I was parked where I could see the room. And I saw the light burning in there. I left out. And then she told me, though, wake me up when you get up. I said, I'm not going to do it. So I got up and slipped out. No, she was that woman still. Got up. That's way more important. The things that are important, not cooking, not cleaning, not all that. You get in the Word like that every day, woman? Hey, hey, that's what I want. Because that's going to not, that's going to get her right and keep her right with God. Because, and not only that, she needs this for what's going to happen to us here in another few minutes. Because where I'm going, I'm going to places where I can preach and teach for hours and hours at a time. Okay, okay, I need to close this down, don't I? We've got to close this down right now, okay? Let me finish my outline so that you will at least get this just in case you don't stay for the next service. Where are you staying? So watch. So in the third point, so first, know the vision. Secondly, see where you're at in it. Third, what's your part? See? You're not in the stands. So your part, number one, is to pray. You've got to have a prayer list. Come on. You've got to be dependent upon. You know, I feel really bad when somebody asks me. I, occasionally people come to me and say, are you praying for me, Bishop? Do I, did I make your prayer list? I mean, they believe in me. Are you calling out my name before God every day? Now, so I'm going to ask you, are you calling out anybody's name before God every day? And then secondly, is there anybody calling out your name every day? Your family priorities. Come on. You have to be known in heaven. You cannot be unknown in heaven. Enter before the throne of grace boldly. Yes. And when you go in prayer up there, you're taking somebody with you up there. Joshua said to Moses, I mean, look, God said, you come by yourself, Moses. I mean, excuse me, Joshua said, well, let me, let me, I'm going part of the way. He said, don't let the people touch the bottom of the mountain. I'm going to kill them if they touch the bottom of the mountain because they're not, they're too unholy. Joshua said, I'm your disciple. So he at least made halfway up there. Glory to God. Don't you let him go for God. You may, and you not go after God just as hard. You may have been weak when you started, but you're not staying there. You're a strong tower right now because you bought into this vision. You found your place in it. You're a man of prayer, a woman of prayer, financial backing. Look, I, I, after I was on this network, this family, Fox, recently, in that book I told you, saw me. So a billionaire uh, contacted me. And then at a meeting I was at, I went to that billionaire, talked with them, never asked them for a cent, though, not asking for nothing. But when I was at a meeting with them, I was speaking, but I, I was looking at them when others were speaking. This is what I realized. That particular person, you could tell they were putting a guard up. In other words, you know, when you're really rich and everybody knows you're rich, they're after your money. But let me tell you how the devil tricks you. Number one... You start valuing your money because a lot of people don't have it like you have it, and they want it. So what happens is, here's the guard. The guard wasn't that they were protecting themselves from you asking them for money. They were even close to the messaging you were bringing. They were thinking that their money is more valuable than your message. Let me just tell you what happened. Unless you can break through to a wealthy person's heart, you will never get what they have. Now, 
they may think that their money is worth something because it's worth it to humans. But gold in heaven is pavement. You walk on it. With us, we create value. I, I, I had a, a one um, of our leaders was talking with a billionaire in Australia. You would know well. And he was talking about, you know, don't forget to reach rich people because those people have a hard time entering the kingdom. Why? Because your dedication level has to be greater to them than their financial level. Because to get that crazy billionaire money, you got to, you got to, Put yourself into it. You got to work day and night. You got to strategically plan. You, you, you have to also know how to go through a window. You have to stay in there while that window is open. And you got to get that. It, it, you got to give your life to it. You got to be dedicated to get that. The dedication level of your Christianity has to be greater than what they put into making that money. Money follows ministry. When the ministry is leading the money. Now, it could be that the fat boy is so closed in, or the fat girl, she's so protective, or he's so protective of that money that even God can't get to him. God is gonna get to you through a message. It's going to be a word. Joseph of Arimathea, what happened? Here, here's my gravesite. Let him be buried in this. You look at Luke uh, 8, my Luke, what, 8, the Luke 8 company, yes. Of women, those were fat girls. You know what I'm talking about? Crazy money. They, look at, look at it in the, um, uh, the, American, the, the new, um, the amplified version. They financed Jesus' ministry with the disciples. And they laid their money aside in whatever they were doing to make money and followed Jesus there wherever he went. Because why? His message was greater than their money. Now watch. If you are wealthy in here and you've seen the vision of the, of the church and you've seen the man of God and his dedication level, I, I see it all the time. And you don't, you don't supply the money? That means your money has you, not the message. You got to go to your wife and say to her, baby, we need to give $10 million to the ministry. And you don't go to the pastor and say, well, well what do you need? Uh, pastor, would you? No, you just do it. And then you don't want attention. You don't want the pastor to say, oh, that's so great. You're so wonderful. Forget that. Get the rewards in heaven because it's going to be way greater. Amen. When Moses had the message of God for the children of Israel, he was the one that gave them value. When it was time to build the tabernacle, they had to be stopped from giving. Because his dedication level redeemed their money level. I'm way ahead of you again. Those of you listening to me on internet, those of you that's on live stream, 
if you've been listening to him and you've been listening to these messages and you've never sown a seed into what you see, you haven't put a value into what God has given you from what you see. The word says where your treasure is, there your heart is also. If your heart is in the message, you sow a seed into it. Man, that message is greater than your seed, no matter how much it is. When you look at the Bible, money always follows significant ministry. You don't want to be known when you give by being acknowledged because you don't want the pastor to steal your rewards for the next world. If you get the credit here, you can't get it there. If you get the compliments of man, you don't get the compliments of God. Now, I'll leave you with this. This is, I'm not finished. I'm going to do it the next service. You know how I am. So if you want some more of it, you just stay with it. If you want to get screamed at some more, you just stay on. Just get screamed at. Baptism is a sort of death, bloodless martyrdom. Water baptism. The baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire, that's, that's a baptism of death where the Lord becomes your life. Look, communion, look, watch. First of all, being born again, baptized into Christ, that's your initial relationship. Being baptized by water, that's your public acknowledgement that I'm a Christian. Now watch. Communion, isn't all these are dedication level things I'm talking to you about. It says... I want my ongoing relationship with God to stay intact, right? He said, if you judge yourself, you'll not be judged. You're taking communion. Ongoing relationship. You take communion. If you do, as often as you do this. See, the dedicated, you're looking, you don't just take communion in church. You're consecrated. You take communion whenever the Lord puts it on your heart, as often as you do this. But let me just tell you the missing sacrament. It's the sacrament of foot washing. I have a whole book written on it called the low road to new heights the washing of the feet is your ongoing relationship with one another Jesus says you know what I've done to you just as I've washed your feet John 13 you ought to wash one another's feet why because it's humiliating God will never exalt the proud he only exalts the humble most humiliating thing you can do is to get down there with the toe jam. Yuck. And take off the feet. When is the last time you wash your wife's feet, dude? Or wash your pastor's feet. Getting down, wash your friend's feet. You're getting down low. What are you saying? I'm putting on the cloak of humility because God's going to turn that cloak of humility into a cloak of leadership. He only exalts the humble. So let me just finally say, you never go up from up in God. You only go up from down. Accept the grain of corn, go down into the ground and die. It abides alone. But if it die, it'll bear much fruit. You cannot be humble and not get promoted by God. Humility is an eternal value. If you're humble to your wife, yes, she dishonors you. Don't worry, she hold the line, dude. She doesn't respect you. She talks to you like, you know, because her daddy talked to her mama. You know, her daddy took advantage of her. 
of her mama. And so she says, I'm not, never going to let a man take advantage of me like this. So she doesn't honor you. Dude, don't fight it. Let her go. Because if you humble yourself and you let God fight for you, he's way more powerful than you. He can bring her in alignment. Daughter, he takes advantage of you. And he's rough with you. And he thinks his money is everything. And he thinks your allowance is the thing that keeps you in control. Sorry. Don't worry about it. Stay low. God is coming to adjust him. He'll make it right. My father, I thank you and bless you so much now for the vision of this church and this house going out to the nations, the nations of the world, this house, springs of life fellowship. You're doing something powerful here that the world should know about. And I'm telling people about it just like I'm telling people from it. Thank you for the vision I've seen here for the man and woman of God, for the principles that are sown here, for the hunger that is here, for the blessings that's on the people. I declare my blessings, and Lord, where they were convicted, thank you for giving them the gift of repentance, that they might say, I'm sorry, and then you might redeem them, and then they might walk even greater. I give you glory for it now, and thank you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. God bless you. God bless you a thousand times. I lost track of the time. What's that? Time, I didn't.